Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. And this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday, normal rhythm of life. And we just want to uh, thank you guys for the emails that you've been sending us, the questions that we've been getting. We've been getting more questions than we even have time to answer. Um, but what we're going to do today is we're going to answer what might sound like a really easy question, but actually when you get down into it, it's a very difficult question. Yeah. But before we do, men, would you introduce yourselves? Yeah, it's Rob Spikesra, pastor of discipleship. And Kevin Kinor, pastoral assistant. Okay, here's the question. A listener wrote in and said, Pastor Justin, could you talk to me about what is the morality of lying? What is the morality of lying? Now, immediately you might say, oh, lying is wrong. Yeah. Lying is sure. a sin. Thou shalt not lie. True. But this, this listener is a young man who reads his Bible, and uh, he said, what about the situation with Rahab, the prostitute, or Rahab and the spies? In that text, it seems like God is condoning Rahab lying. And so we want to dig down into this Bible story a little bit and then see what the New Testament writers actually say about Rahab and unpack why this is a moral dilemma and, um, and how should we think about it. Okay? So, Rob, would you read? We're going to go to Joshua chapter 2. And uh, we're just going to read, we're going to read 11 verses. The story's a little bit bigger than that. But we're going to read the first 11 verses. We think you can get uh, the majority of the details from, from those first 11 verses. Okay, here we go. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. And then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, Well, true, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them in, with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on earth beneath. <clears throat> okay. So the context here is... God's people are on the edge of the promised land and they're being sent in to take over the promised land. And that means taking over the land from the Canaanites and Moabites and, and these different people. And here, the two spies go in to search out this, this land. All right? And um, this is, these are Canaanites, right? 
this is the Canaanites, I think. I'm pretty sure this is the Canaanites. Um, and uh, they, 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 they lodge at this house of a, of a known prostitute, mm -hmm. okay? Now, it's interesting because this is her personal experience. She says when, when, when she heard that the Israelites were on the move and they were taking over nations, moving into the promised land, she said, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. So she recognizes that these men serve the true God, okay? And therefore, in this sense, she's turning from her pagan religion towards the, the God of Scripture, all right? And so this, she's, she is converted yeah. in this moment, okay? She's, she's converted. She has, she has a change of heart, yeah. all right? What she does, this is where the moral dilemma comes in. Because the king, or it says the king, behold, uh, and it was said to the king of Jericho, you know, and the king of Jericho sent to Rahab saying, bring out the men who have come to you. So the king wants to kill these two men of God. She knows that. All right. This is the moral dilemma. Do I tell the truth and these two men of God die by the king or do I lie and save these two men. All right? You see the moral dilemma. Mm -hmm. Now, um, there are people that say lying is always wrong no matter what. Well, I don't know about that because when we turn to the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 11 and in James chapter 2, Hebrews 11 says this, by faith... Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. So her faith, her at walking by faith in this, in this God of Israel hid those spies and gave a, and gave, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Well, that includes, she didn't hand them over. Yeah. She didn't yeah. give the king what he wanted. Now, we move over to James chapter 2 in verse um, 25, and it says, And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by her works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? So think about that. Sent them out by another way. That, that is, I, she told the, the king's messengers, they went that way, and sent them out another way. So it, the New Testament says that what she did was righteous. Mm -hmm. What she did was good. And there are, are some scholars and some commentators that say, um, you know, it's always wrong to lie. Mm -hmm. But the New Testament seemed, I don't know, I, 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 I think because of the fallen nature of the world, there will always be moral dilemmas. Mm -hmm. And we have to choose, I hate to say it like this, but the lesser of, the lesser of two evils. Mm -hmm. So we know the, the, the common illustration, that you're, in, uh, you're in Germany in the 1940s and, or wherever, and, and the, the Nazis come to your door and they say, do you have any spies? 
or do you have any Jews? Jews and yeah. and if you know if you have them hidden in the basement, what do you do? Now I want you to work this out. Telling a lie, okay, it's wrong. It's a sin, right? But if you tell the truth, all the Jews you have hidden in your basement die. Mm -hmm. Are would you not be then complicit in their murder because you told the truth? They're they're now losing their life. Okay. Now this is where I think having a I'm going to say this word again pietistic understanding of our faith can be a disservice to us because if I'm pietistic means it's I'm so worried about my relationship with the Lord and me doing me obeying the law perfectly all the time or just it's about my righteousness and and I'm and I'm not concerned about the good of my neighbor or the good of my brother or whatever like there's a sense where if I really 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 in a pietistic way wanted to be holy maybe I would just stay in my room and never leave the house yeah, because that'd be, I would, that'd be the best thing to do that'd be safest <laughs> yeah because <laughs> I wouldn't sin because people wouldn't bother me and all this right, kind of stuff right. but we have an obligation to be on mission we have an obligation to the world we have an obligation to get out there and build things and make things. And right. when we do that, we're going to, we're going to sin. Right. So if I have this pietistic understanding, God, thou shalt not lie. That's the most important thing to me. Well, well that guy comes and I bless God. I'm going to keep my righteousness. I'm going to tell the truth and what happens happens. And it's, and my, and the Jews in my basement get killed because and probably you as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe so. <clears throat> maybe so. So we don't see that. We see God's mission take priority here. We see personal piety in submission to the mission of God. So Rahab recognizes this moral dilemma. There's, there's, no, there's no way out without sinning in some way. Either somebody loses their life and that's a bad thing and the mission of God gets snuffed out right here or I lose my... I mean, she's a prostitute, so she doesn't have much of a moral leg to stand on here. Right. So this, for her, might not even be a thought in her head. She's, it's just a reflex. Yeah, sure. No, I, I, didn't, I didn't see these guys at all. I have no idea where they are. Yeah, they went that way, and they left at dark, and yeah, you be, go catch them. You better go catch them right now. And, but, the, so that's, that's what she does. But <clears throat> the scriptures say, that, that she was righteous. Now, the scriptures never explicitly say that her lying was not a sin. So it, maybe it was. Maybe it was a sin, but, oh my goodness, how can I even say this? But it was done in faith. It was because there was a moral dilemma here where there was no good way out. And so she chose the less evil of two options and she did it in faith and it was commended to her in the New Testament. Yeah, it seems to be that the faith that you were referring to is that they, that God was doing a work in her life previous to this in such a way that when she is, he's already he's already already brought conviction to her that 
I am dealing with servants of the God of the universe here. That I am, and if we get, we got to keep in mind there that you know the gods of those days they were gods of cities, they were gods of locations, they were regional gods. There was no sense of that there is one God who is God over the over the you know the universe, uh, over heavens and the earth, as she described him. And so God is already working. So her her act of faith is if she didn't have that, if God had not been doing that act of faith already in her, giving her that that faith. She, they would just be like any other guy, you know. And in one sense, she would think, well, they're just a regional God come, trying to come in. I can help my God by giving them over, yeah. you know, by exposing them, by giving them over to the king of Jericho. But rather not, God was actually had already done this previous work. So this, this, uh, this lie came out of this already God-given faith that, that uh, in Him, and that that. Um, I think that's helpful, kind of to, kind of just to see the context of how she worked it out. I would agree with you that it's not that she didn't sin, um, but she knew that this was that this God that that she was dealing with was was one not to be messed with, and that you know this is the way she she worked it out um, at that at that very very moment. So uh, you know, ultimately pointing to the court toward Christ, and <laughs> yeah. Christ died yeah. for that as well, and and um, yeah, so that's uh, it's, it's good. You also got to get to the heart of, of um, the sin of lying as well, because when he, when he says, you know, God is truth, <clears throat> and when we lie, we're trying to, um, you we're, usually we're trying to cover evil. Yeah, that's why we lie. We're trying to cover some evil that we've done or or not done, and. And that's usually usually why we lie. No, I didn't forget that. No, I didn't do that. No, you know. But this is something different. She's not trying to cover evil. She's trying to save a life. Like she's literally trying to save a life. So she's choosing in a, in a morally perilous situation where there is no easy way out. She's choosing the higher good. Yeah. You know? So, so this is not like situational ethics. This is prioritized ethics. This is honor your father and mother, yet don't honor your father and mother above God, right? This is honor your governor, but disobey your governor when he goes against God, right? right? So this is the way that Jesus taught ethics in, 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 the, in the New Testament was, was very much like this. Like everything isn't black and white, easy easy answers. You're going to get into some situations that are going to require you to trust the Holy Spirit and do the best thing that you think is possible. Choose the highest good yeah. in this moment. And we just saw this with with uh COVID-19. Really? We had no we had no idea. There were some people that were 100% certain wear a mask, save a life, love your neighbor. There were other people 100% certain don't wear a mask. Love your neighbor. Yeah. It's, you know, it's the best. Right. And, and what did we had to do? We, in the moment, we had to, to choose the higher good. What we were convinced through scripture and through reason, what's, what was the higher good? And now we have a better perspective looking back on that now. Um, but so to get down to the nitty gritty here, um, is lying a sin? Yes. <clears throat> Are there... Uh, are there seasons or, or is there situations? I'm sorry. Are there situations where lying is morally 
the best option? I think scripture says yes. Yeah. Mm. I think scripture says yes. Um, any, you guys push back on that? Thoughts? I don't know if I have pushback on it. I think it was helpful, though, to, to even consider what Peter and John, when they were told by the authorities, stop preaching Jesus. Mm. That one seems to be so much easier for us to see as a, well, well I, should I be disobedient or obedient to them? Well, you know, disobedient. Um, because, because they have two commands. Honor the governor, honor mm-hmm. the emperor, right. and preach the gospel. Right. Well, we've been given these two commands. Which one are we going to break? Right. Right, and they chose to break. Yeah, the we're going to keep preaching. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I think a, another thing to be taken in mind here is that even before we were given uh, before the fall, we were given the cultural mandate, and the cultural mandate was was that humanity was to make much of his much make much of God and His glory in in this world. Now, what happened was sin came into the world and really complicated. <laughs> yeah, complicated. Mm-hmm. But we are still as human beings, we are still obligated for that cultural mandate. We are still supposed to, even sinners are supposed to be doing that in the sense of making, you know, bringing bringing God's glory uh, forward. So when we're having to deal with these moral issues, uh, many times these come up when you have a society that is pushing back or against God's cultural mandate. So of course, if we go back to Nazi Germany, they were that's they were pushing in the opposite direction of the cultural mandate, and it, so there was an obligation there. Who am I going to obey? Am I going to obey God, who's called me to make much of His glory here? All all men and women are made in the image of God, and thus they all have value. Or am I supposed to be following uh, my particular uh, you know culture, my culture or nation? Mm-hmm. And in that case, obviously, that's you know that's where you make that decision, and it's a decision that seems to be fitting in with what God's calling us to do. The higher the higher God, the higher good, I mean. Um, yeah, I think, and it's yeah. interesting too because I'm thinking about courage and the command to be, you know, Joshua's told, be mm, courageous, right. be courageous, be courageous. Yeah. And in the in the book of Revelation, it says that some get thrown into the pit of fire because they were cowardly, yeah. the cowardly. The cowards, yeah. The cowards. Mm. And so both in, in Rahab's situation, mm. Part of the decision was between courage and cowardice. The courageous thing to do here is to risk your life by lying and and pr- protecting these people. Mm-hmm. And the cowardly thing to do would be, yeah, they're right here. Come, yep. come take them. Same thing with the, the Nazi situation. Yep. Same thing with uh, the Peter situation. That takes courage. We're going to keep preaching. We're going to keep preaching the gospel. And so it's not as simple as lying is wrong, therefore don't do it. Because being cowardly is wrong as well, yeah. right? <laughs> right? Not sure. acting in courage is wrong. Yeah. And here's a situation that might, uh, well, I, I don't know when this podcast is going to come out, if it's before I preach Ezra 9 or if it's after I preach Ezra 9 and 10, because in Ezra 9 and 10, the people disobey God and they intermarry with pagans, okay? Ezra, and they have kids with these pagans, yeah. So think of it. Mom worships the moon god and dad worships Yahweh. Who does the kid worship? Okay. Ezra shows up, is absolutely appalled, cries out to God, rips his clothes, fasts, prays, corporate confession, throws himself and the people completely on the mercy of God says, we do not deserve anything from you. You should smite us. You should crush us. You should destroy us. We're doing exactly what um, 
our forefathers have done before us. God, in your mercy, we throw ourselves at your feet. Many Christians want to stop right there. That's chapter eight. Chapter nine, after the people repent and confess their sins, Ezra says, now divorce your wives. Now send your kids away. Whoa, moral dilemma. Doesn't the Bible condemn divorce? Yes, it does. But before that, it also condemns marrying uh, godless people or pagans. And so at, at this moment, we see Ezra make a courageous decision and say, these people, and ultimately what he's saying is, these, these wives and these husbands and these kids are not converted. They're not Rahabs. Right. They haven't, right. They haven't embraced right. the God of Israel. And so the whole city, the whole nation, the Messiah himself is at risk because of your impurity. Because remember, the Messiah was to come through this line of people. Well, now this, this is a mixed people of worshiping different gods. Everything's at risk. And so this is that serious of a decision. And this is high-handed sin that he's going to you know, come, come directly at. And it required a radical obedience on the, on the part of the people. Repentance didn't just look like feeling bad and, and praying a prayer. Mm-hmm. Repentance looked like divorcing their godless wives and sending away their godless children. Mm-hmm. And it is, you know, it's a powerful moment. And, and it it's, shows us how life in a fallen world is not simple. Yeah, it's very unclean. <laughs> There's tough decisions. And yeah, that's, this is, uh, that Ezra, that last chapter of Ezra, whew, that's rough. Yeah. It is rough, yeah. Yeah, tough decisions and moral dilemmas that have to be made according to the word of God, right? So we're we're blessed to have a rule of life that that gives us those guideposts that helps us to understand these things, to navigate some of those things. Not perfectly, of mm-hmm. course, but it's this is this podcast isn't licensed to just, you know, lie your butt off about whatever you want. <laughs> it's it's to look and say which will glorify God the most. You know, which will establish Christ and his mission above all things, rather than how am I just going to get out of this? Well, and I think I agree with you 100%. And what is the courageous thing to do? Yeah. Because fear wants to find any excuse possible Mm -hmm. to protect itself, Mm -hmm. you know? And so if I'm really afraid, even of a coronavirus, if I'm really afraid my fear might just be making me wear a mask or tell everybody else where to wear a mask. Yep. And the Bible, the only time the Bible ever commends fear is when we're fearing God. Yep. Not fearing disease, not fearing pestilence, not fearing death, not fearing other people. And so we must be, we're commanded to be courageous people, yeah. right? And yeah. men and women of faith. So I, I, would, I would agree with that and also say, what, what um, what's the courageous thing to do mm-hmm. in this moment? Now, just so you don't, you know, we're, the Bible does not condemn in the New Testament um, sending your wives away. Uh, the and, and in fact, it says in Peter that if you are, first off, it says do not marry an unbeliever. Okay, so it does say that same 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 law. But if you come to faith, if you if you two unbelievers get married, one of them comes to faith. 
they're to remain married to that unbeliever if that unbeliever wants, will stay married to them. And here's what's interesting. It says yeah. the, the holiness, the righteousness, the faith of the one believing parent makes the child holy. Mm-hmm. All right, now this is interesting because it didn't happen in the Old Testament. It didn't happen in, you know, in Ezra. That didn't happen. So what, what changed? Well, the potency. <laughs> the potency and the power of, of the gospel in the life, death, and resurrection, that's what changed it. That's what changed it. So now wow. we don't have the spirit on us or you know, the spirit comes on Saul, spirit comes on these people. Now we have the spirit in us. And so that actually makes us holy in such a way that our, our offspring are set apart yeah. by yeah. Christ. Our offspring are holy. So there's a there's a increased potency of our holiness and righteousness. Not saying we're totally holy or totally righteous or any of those things, but there's an increased potency because of the indwelling in the Holy Spirit in the in the New Testament. So that um, we we are to remain we are to remain married yeah. in in that in that situation. So. <clears throat> Amazing, yeah. huh? Amazing. When you think about it, and, and you know, you were telling me earlier when we think about the fact that Rahab was eventually in the line of the Messiah. Oh yeah. And that when the Messiah came, then changed everything. Yeah. And and so she's part of that part of that line. Is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You know, pretty cool. A lying prostitute. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. In God the line. Can sa- God can save a lying prostitute. Man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just I mean, you think about it. Like literally, like the spies going into the land and they meet this and they meet this prostitute and then she gives her life to Christ and then she marries this man named Sa- Salmon okay Salmon <laughs> however you want to say it yeah. Salmon Salmon yeah. <laughs> uh, and they have this son named Boaz yeah. and then Boaz meets this woman named Ruth and Ruth is a Moabite yeah. one of the people that are that the scriptures are commanded the Israelites not to marry but Ruth is, meets Naomi and she says, your God is my God. I'm leaving my people behind. Ruth gets converted and marries Boaz. Yeah. And so all of this, you know, outsiders getting brought into the family of God and then marrying the people of God and all of this faithfulness, these, it just passes from generation to generation. And then Jesus Christ, the son of God comes from that mixed lineage. Yeah. You know, proving he didn't come just for the people of Israel, right? right? From the very beginning, his whole plan was the world, all the different nations. But you have to embrace him by faith. You have to uh, embrace God by faith. Yeah, yeah. so fascinating, fascinating to me. So thank you guys for the question. It's a great question. Hopefully we answered it. And hopefully you see um, there's a very small window of, of opportunities where this can actually be applied. <laughs> you know, um, th- this is, uh, you know, saving the life of other people. It seems to be pretty, um, you know, it seems to be a morally, morally approved, but you know, I don't know. Our sinful minds can try to come up with all kinds of different ideas where this <laughs> yeah, is, yeah. this is good. We have to be very wary of that. So, so thank you for the question. Hopefully we answered it. If you got more questions, please email me at justindean at sacredcitychurch.com. Uh, we love you guys. We're praying for you. God bless you. <laughs>